The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. Hold on to me as we go As we roll down this unfamiliar road Although this wave is stringing us along Just know you're not alone Cause I'm gonna make this place your Good morning, Hamilton. This is Rob Golfy with Remax the Golfy team. Welcome to the Golfy Real Estate Show, Hamilton Edition with Rick Zamprin. Yes, good Saturday morning, and uh, we made through another week. Uh, we can hardly believe it. It's getting, uh, I don't know if it's getting easier and easier or tougher and tougher because <laughs> things are opening up back again, and uh, it's, you know, in some cases, it's a little weird going back into a restaurant because we haven't been in there for a while. But in the same sense, it feels really good as well. Yeah, this is the Golfy Real Estate Show Hamilton Edition on 900 CHML. Rick Samprin here on the line. Rob Golfy, sales representative with Remax's Scartman Realty, the Golfy team. You can find them on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter online at robgolfie.com. That's Rob, G-O-L-F-I.com. And call Hamilton and Burlington's number one Remax team in volume and unit sales, 905-575-7700. Rob, how was your week? Fantastic. It's, uh, you know what, this is uh, the end of this week, and we're, we're trying to, you know, we're waiting for all our deals to go in, and we're finding, now this is the frustrating part about, being in real estate. Now, last year we had a wonky year, right? The mm-hmm. first first part of the year because of COVID just kicked in and everything. But July of last year was really the first month where things really started kicking in gear. People were out buying houses and selling houses and everything was just, it seemed like everything was back to normal, but everybody was still under quarantine. So now I'm looking at the numbers. Now the official numbers will be able to announce next, next weekend, but I was looking at the numbers so July versus Ju- July last year versus July of this year, July this year, the numbers are down. The numbers are down really? like in unit numbers. And, and also, uh, I mean, that's so far. I mean, I, the numbers aren't all in yet, but we'll have the official numbers by ne- the, ne- next week's episode. But also it's down from uh, uh, last month. From, from June to July, from like July is down in numbers. So we're in a cooling off period, obviously. So last year we had a spring market that was basically put on hold and it, it, it jumped into the summer market. So you have a combination of the summer market with the spring market combined. So that's why the sales were really good last year in the summer. Now this year, as realtors, we always want to do better than last year. That's just our human nature in us. So I'm looking at it. I'm going like, we still did better than last year. Like we're still way higher, but I want to do a, even better than better, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's frus- and it's frustrating because uh, I, I thought the numbers would be even farther greater, but, but July last year was the, I would say is the kickoff month of the super months for real estate. And, uh, but we'll get the real numbers uh, next uh, after the weekend, and uh, but it's it's been it's been good, like you know what I mean. But it, it is definitely cooling. It is definitely uh, it's it, uh, you know people are being 
very watchful. A lot of houses are getting listed on the market and they're being overpriced because they're, they're at high expectations are there still. But there's still houses selling in multiple offers. So you've got a, you've got a whole mix of everything now. It's just uh, it's all just like one big barrel of everything. So could this summer be called a traditional real estate summer, or are we still kind of feeling the impact of that pandemic buying and the escalation in prices? I, I, I think you can call it a traditional real estate market okay. that we're experiencing now. So I, I and uh, I think, uh, I think we're, but, but we're coming off of a really heavy, super strong spring. So it, 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 it's going to take a couple years for it to like, we have to, we have to have like three, four years of like no pandemic, no crisis, no, any, uh, you know, major catastrophe in in, in our area to really, gauge year year over year month over month and and right now i would say we're pretty close to to normal but it, but we'll find it like i'll know better as as the months go on but all all i know is that to uh the last half of last year uh it it it, it was very strong so i don't know if we'll be able to match the same numbers as last year so now you know how we we send out our newsletter and for the first six months of this year uh, we were always up in numbers and uh, uh, this year versus last year. Well, now we're coming into the second half of the uh, of the year. You're going to see we're down, 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 down in every market in unit numbers. Average sale price is definitely going to be higher, but we're going to be down in unit numbers in all all areas. You'll see that uh, that we sold more last year in the second half than we we will probably this year in the second half of the year. And, and you just know that the perception is going to be, oh, the market's down. But but it's not. It's just down compared to the craziness of 2020. It is, yeah. Like the average sale price is, is going to be strong still. It's just the unit numbers are going to be uh, way down. And uh, and I always measure my business in unit numbers, not in in volume of business. It's, it's just it's just it's kind of like a scorecard. And um, you know it, we always want to progress every year as realtors. And 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 we 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 are having a great year. I can't complain about that. Um, but like, I always look at each month. Like I hate when I have a month that I've only done maybe the same as last year or, or, or I did a little better than last year, but I was hoping to do maybe 20% better than last year in the same July, uh, as last uh, versus last year in July. But Hey, you can't win every month, right? <laughs> <laughs> if you were to put uh, your, uh, your crystal ball in front of you, uh, you know, fall is just a couple of months away. Are we looking at a traditional fall as opposed to what we saw, you know, last year? I think the fall of this year is going to be pretty strong. Two reasons. Well, one, one big reason is that, hey, we just opened up. We're, we're just enjoying uh, whatever sun we got in it. Like we're out of quarantine. We're out of quarantine and we're starting to go to restaurants. Guy, people are traveling around Ontario or even in Canada and people are starting to do things. Uh, real estate is on their mind, but it's not a hundred percent on their mind. But I do feel that once the kids back in school, like we're almost, we're pretty well going to be 99% in normality in September. And, uh, and then I, that's when I think things are going to start uh, picking up a lot. We're going to have a traditional fall market and, uh, but we'll see how strong that fall market is, but we will have a traditional strong fall market. And it's just because everything's starting to get back to normal, but the summer market right now, 
people are enjoying the summer, that people are enjoying the get out. People want to go on picnics. They want to go to beaches. They want to uh, camp. Whatever they want to do, they're doing it. And, 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 and the highways are super busy right now. Everybody's just wants to get out and do stuff. We've been under quarantine off and on for 18 months, and it's just we're just fed up. With all that, now we're ready to just enjoy life the way life is supposed to be enjoyed. Yeah, everybody wants to enjoy what they weren't allowed to enjoy for basically a year. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. No uh, kidding. Let's move to, we got we got a host of topics today, I should mention. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, baby boomers. We'll talk about people who own multiple properties in the GTA who are under the age of 35, which is hard to imagine. We'll also talk about monthly mortgage payment increases and how many Canadians won't be able to afford it. Um, But let's talk about a recent uh, RICO uh, decision, the Real Estate Council of Ontario, and this had to do with an agent who represented the seller of a residential property. And the seller had solar panels installed on the roof of this property under a 20-year term rental agreement. This realtor did not do the appropriate due diligence to confirm the status of the solar panels, and as such, the seller entered into an agreement to sell the property without any provision that the solar panels were rented and or that the rental agreement was to be assigned to the buyer. As a result, on closing, the seller was obligated to buy out the solar panels. The seller was able to recover partial restitution through the agent's errors and emissions insurance coverage, but this agent has been fined $8,000 and uh, has got to complete two courses in a compliance and ethics course. A bad move by the agents in this case. Yes. Like, like you know what? I, we always ask, like, solar panels. I mean, but you don't have too many houses with solar panels. So this agent obviously maybe wasn't experienced enough. And, that, and, and, and hey, Rick, like I said, experience will save you problems. You're selling one of the most expensive investments in your life. Make sure you hire somebody experienced. So, but, but this guy should have known that those solar panels were probably either, there's something with it. Like, I don't know the deals with solar panels, but I ask, is it rented? Is it paid out? How long of a contract? Usually uh, companies that put solar panels in your house, they have a 20 year contract on it. Like whether they're buying power from you. Now, uh, uh, hot water heaters are rentals. Sometimes furnaces are rentals. Uh, uh, like there's so many different things that uh, air conditioners could be rentals. I ask in every house that I walk into, and especially if I see it's fairly new, it's le- it's less than five years old. I go, is this a rental? And then is that a rental? Is that, you know what I mean? Like is the air conditioning a rental? And they, some of them will say none of them are rentals, but, but most people, 90%, I would say of water heaters are rentals, even though it's owned on my listings, I always put uh, water heater as a rental just in case they forgot. Because sometimes people <laughs> pay their water heater with their gas bill and they don't even know they got a rental. Yeah. So I always put water heater as a rental. And you know what I, you know what I always say? Uh, I say, I'm going to put it as a rental just because in case your water heater uh, breaks between the time you sell your house and the time it closes, all you have to do is call the gas company. They're going to put a water heater for nothing for you. And then uh, because we've said that the new buyer is going to assume the contract for the water heater. So basically... Um, the homeowner doesn't, have, if, you know, he doesn't have to worry about a water heater if it breaks down. If it does, he just, you know, the, the buyer is going to assume the, uh, the rental. But, and, but the thing is, a lot of people forget that they, they're renting. They just think it's just part of another utility bill that they're paying. So like you got we ask all the time and sometimes we have an initial right where the rentals are. So, so you're, you're saying that this is the only rental you have. 
And then if they come back to us and say, hey, listen, we made you sign here, um, but this agent didn't even ask. Didn't even ask mm-hmm. if the solar panels were uh, rental or who they were part of. And so it, co- it, cost the, uh, it cost this agent money. And he probably had to pay restitution plus a fine and plus other things. Crazy to think because the solar panels are there for everyone to see. I mean, that's something that you just can't miss. It's right to, right in front of your eyes. When we come back, we're going to talk about a major development for the city of Hamilton and has to do with Go Transit. That's coming up next here on the Golfy Real Estate Show, Hamilton Edition on 900 CHML. Welcome back. You're listening to the Golfy Real Estate Show, Hamilton Edition on 900 CHML. If you want to sell your house or you're in the market to buy a house, call Hamilton, Burlington, and Niagara's top real estate team, the Golfy Team, at 905-575-7700, online at robgolfy.com. That's Rob, G-O-L-F-I dot com. Have a question for the Golfy Team, or you want to recommend a topic idea for a future program, send us an email, questions at robgolfy.com, questions at robgolfy.com. We do have a question that I'm going to ask Rob in a few minutes, but before we get to that, let's talk about all day go trains coming to Hamilton's West Harbor Station. That was announced uh, earlier this week, on Monday in fact, and starting one week from today, Saturday, August the 7th, we're going to have all-day go trains. So instead of 40 trains a week, we're going to have 250 trains a week, basically at all times of the day. How is this going to transform Hamilton, and in particular from a real estate perspective, what kind of impact do you envision it's going to have? It's going to have a major impact. Now, we're, it's not going to be happening like in one big bulk. All of a sudden, you, we see a, like a big boom. It's going to happen over a transition of time. So now, now, there's a lot of people in Toronto don't have a driver's license. They don't even have a car because they live downtown Toronto. There's transit everywhere. There's you know buses, trains, and, and subways and everything in Toronto. So now, those people will end up coming to Hamilton and, and they still may not even have a driver's license, but because they're, they're downtown, they can actually go to the GO station right downtown Hamilton, get to Toronto, and come back. And you're going to see a lot of that happening. You're going to see a lot of people moving from Toronto. There's a, now, there's going to be another wave coming through. We just, we just helped Hamilton become uh, a, a, another reason to come here. And before it was, you know, uh, real estate values were, were decent and, and, uh, and we're only an hour away, maybe an hour and a half, depending on traffic, uh, to downtown Toronto. Uh, and, and also, um, people like, it's just going to, there's going to be an economic boom. So now Toronto people will start coming this way because they can see Hamilton now, like Hamilton's got a lot to offer. It's got tons to offer, but not only that Hamilton people will actually go now we can go to a lot more ball games and, and soccer and, and, and book whatever sports concerts that are happening downtown Toronto, you're going to see Hamilton people going to Toronto. And guess what? When they come back, what do you think downtown Hamilton's going to be like? People are going to say, hey, let's go to a restaurant. Let's do this. So there's going to be an economic boom there. And there's also going to be a real estate uh, boom happening in, in, the same, in the same way, there, there's more options. You're going to see people moving this way. You're going to see people traveling back and forth. It's just great. People hated driving to Aldershot. Like, you, you know, it's like, oh, I got to go there through the 403, get up and, you know, on, uh, on number six highway. But right now, 
this is fantastic for Hamilton. And, you know, and, and it's just going to, it's, it's, it's just amazing. It's amazing. And you're, you're going to find a lot more, you're going to find traffic less on the highway. Now I, I, I would assume it's going to drop at least 10%, maybe more 20% so, uh, of traffic going to Toronto. So can you envision real estate around the West Harbor station being prime real estate now, or at least maybe the next big kind of area that people are looking at? Absolutely. It was a great area as it is. And I remember like even five, 10 years ago, and I would tell people, this is the area to buy, you know, it's, it, you know, right by the Bayfront there, you know, with the, you know, the park there, the, um, uh, that area, it, it was just going up in real estate, lot, uh, high demand area. But now that area just in real estate is just going to be incredible. Um, and it's getting cleaned up there. Like it's beautiful there. And I was driving around there this, this week just to, you know, see where the, the, the gold station is. There's, there's Stewart street. And, uh, and I was looking for the parking. I see the parking where people can park and park their cars so that when they drive down there, uh, they can do that. So it's, it's, it's going to, there's going to be a lot happening in Hamilton. And, and, and the thing is, you know, what the nice thing is they said, we're starting this in one week. <laughs> you know, it's not like, remember, what, who was it? McGinty said in 2011, we're going to start having this. This like, uh, was it McGinty that said yeah, that? Or was yeah, it, it, uh, it's been a long or, time coming. That's for sure. Yeah. So the fantastic thing is this gold thing is going to be great. Now, I don't know. I haven't been uh, up on the, uh, the, what do you call it? The LRT. Now, is that a go? Like, remember it was canceled and they brought it back to yeah. the table. Is like, Rick, is that a go with the LRT? It's back on the rails. So the the latest news on the LRT is the federal and provincial governments each contributing $1.7 billion to building this thing. The city has uh, initially said, yeah, we're in favor of operating this line. So basically from McMaster University to Eastgate Square, the LRT will be a reality. Not only that, but, you know, they, they get to move some buses around the city that will help people on the mountain get downtown and vice versa. So it looks like the transportation master plan in Hamilton is is really finally coming together. Oh, absolutely. So now if that LRT comes, I got to tell you something, people buy real estate because people, there's going to be a lot of jobs coming to Hamilton that need to build this LRT. And they bring sometimes en- like engineers and all sorts of trades people that are coming here and, and they're going to be here for how long is it? Is, what's the expected time for this thing to, yeah, it, you know what, with, with, with construction delays and the whole bit, probably 10 years. There you go. So buy real estate, you can rent out to these people, you'll get great rent. And then in 10 years, you're, the property will double. You buy a four hundred thousand dollar property, and it's going to be worth eight hundred thousand dollars or a million dollars in ten years. So great, it's the way to go. It just um, so a lot of things are happening around here. And you know what? The next step I think is going to happen, and I don't know how long it'll take, but in Niagara, they'll probably start doing every hour on the hour, also going that from that way. With all you know they I mean? know, just yeah. coming from there and here, because a lot of people are moving out there, and they're going to start realizing it. But but by the time they figure that out, they want to do census. They want to do they do all the census, and it takes four or five years for them to do it before they actually start spending money. And then when they thought think about it, it takes another four or five years. So let's say <laughs> ten years, Niagara will have the same thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, uh, from the political aspect, it's uh, it's it does move at a snail's pace at time. But at least we're finally here in Hamilton. You know, a week away from finally seeing some increased action at the West Harbor uh, Go Station, which. Uh, 
and it's been a long time coming. And, and you mentioned it, you know, you want to go to a baseball game or a concert or maybe you still have relatives in the GTA or whatever the case is, or maybe some GTA people want to come here to check out, you know, real estate opportunities in town. They just hop on the go and they're here and they don't have to deal with any traffic headaches. So it's uh, finally some positivity on that front. Um, got an email from uh, a listener, Frank, that I want to read to you and get your reaction uh, to it. He says it has to do with how real estate has changed over the past 20 to 30 years in regards to the fees charged for listing a house or property. He says, to my understanding, a base percentage figure of the asking price is usually a starting point solely sustained within the listing as advertised and to be borne by the owner client. But is there a price scale or a chart of a separate dollar amount offered when it comes to suggestive options of staging or further enhancing the property for added appeal in order to attract a more perspective and potential interest to purchase? Like, what would be the breakaway figure to be paying beyond the standard listing percentage on a $700,000 home at 6%, 1 2 or 3% more, or alternatively, lowering the base percentage to 5% or lower. I know there's a lot of figures in there, but are you getting what he's kind of asking? Yeah. So he's wondering: is the commission? The commissions are out there right now between four and five percent. Very okay. rare. I, I've never seen six. I, I've never seen six. Uh, when I first got into the business, um, uh, it was six percent, and then I saw it slowly change. But in 2017, there was a there was a bit of a shift in the commission amounts. Uh, but a lot of agents uh, out there. Uh, right now, uh, sometimes like, like what I'm saying is, we offer staging in in, in photography and 3D tour in in in, in videos and everything uh, for for a certain amount, and, and we're very very competitive with everybody in the marketplace. So we actually offer more, but but uh, we ended up it costs us more. Other agents don't offer as much as we do, and they may charge what we do, and uh, they're just putting a sign on the front lawn and just put on MLS and 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 wait to see hopefully an offer comes in <laughs> well that market's starting to change that market is changing so staging is so is very important right now when you put your house up for sale um, we have uh, a house that uh, that that we're looking at they got a lot of furniture in there and uh, we're telling them to remove it and we're actually putting bringing some stuff in but you need to do those kind of things like staging and and and, and 3d tour and, and professional photography they cost money they cost money, and a lot of agents don't do that, and they may charge you the same or more than what we do, and you're not getting that. The more we put into someone's house, and it's a, it's a financial investment that I'm spending. It's, it's a financial investment, and what happens is um, I'm hoping I get my return on my investment. So I'm gambling. Oh, not gambling, but it's an investment I put into your house. In return, if I do a good job, and, and, and I sell your house for good money, I, I, I get paid for it. Now, I do all that. And sometimes, you know, we get homeowners say, I changed my mind selling. I don't go after them for any of the fees on that. Sometimes they say, you know what, I'm not taking that offer. And, we, and, and, they just, and it doesn't sell. We, I pay for that. It doesn't cost them any money. So not many people do that. Most other realtors, uh, they charge for the uh, staging. With us, we don't. And I've got a warehouse uh, full of, uh, you know, furniture and everything. We've come in and we got a, a cube van and we have a, a, a moving crew that comes in and just starts bringing stuff in. It could be accessories. Sometimes, you know, some people's houses are beautiful. It doesn't need anything, but we have it. 
And, but, and the thing is, and the other big part of it, Rick, is we have the, uh, our, our, our online uh, presence is far superior than anybody else would ever have. And, I, and I'll go up against anybody that wants to challenge me on that it, it, because I know I can get your house exposed far more online than anybody else. And I, and I can prove it through Google and any other means of uh, search engine optimization. And, and, and we, sp- we spend thousands and thousands of dollars to make sure that when we put your house up for sale, it gets noticed. It's like going to a bookstore. There's thousands and thousands of bookstores. There's probably 50,000 books in that bookstore. How do I make, what, what's that one book that I'm looking for? Well, that's what we do with your house. We make it stand out. Now, not everybody can do that. But again, we are very competitive with the commissions and it ranges. They range from four to 5%. It just depends on what's important to you, higher price or, or cheap commission. You go cheap commission, uh, you may end up getting a lower price because there's not much effort put into exposure on your property or having your property look nice. There's so many different ways. And that's why people interview different agents. You know, what do you offer? And we tell them we offer this, we offer all that. And, you know, and it's up to the homeowner if they want to, you know, it depends what direction they want to go. Great that's answer. Earful, isn't it? No, that, that's a great answer. I was going to say great answer to a great question from Frank. And if you have a question for uh, Rob at a future show, send us an email, questions at robgolfie.com. That's questions at robgolfie.com. Don't forget, if you want to sell your home, you can go online to robgolfie.com. That's Rob, G-O-L-F-I.com. And call Hamilton and Burlington's number one REMAX team in volume and unit sales, 905-575-7700. Check out some pretty cool, uh, uh, I was going to say listings, yes, uh, videos and the like on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook as well by following the Golfie team. want to get to this story about more people, and this is astounding because we've heard how many horror stories about people not being able to afford homes, especially in the GTA. There's a new report that says that there is a pretty big portion of people under the age of 35 that own multiple properties and more so than those over the age of 35. I was shocked when I read this story. I, I couldn't believe it. I, I had to read it twice, to, like the <laughs> headline to say, what, what are they saying? Like, what's, what are they saying? But yeah, I guess, you know what? There is a, 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 a certain group of millennials that do make really good money. Uh, they, went, you know, they went to school, uh, either they're entrepreneurs or they're well-educated and, or they got great jobs. And they, you know, buy their first house and they see the value going up and they buy another one. I, I can see it. I'll tell you, owning real estate now, I think, is far greater than it was 20 years ago and 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. I, think, I think as a young 20-year-old, I, uh, I think it's just, it's just become a thing that, you, that you, it's a must. It's like, you, okay, you, you grow up, you go to school. You, finish, you graduate uh, high school, you go to college, university. Then you get a job, you buy a house. I think that's the way it is. Before buying a house wasn't there. I, I think it was like you meet somebody, you get married, then you buy a house. But now it's buy a house before you get married. And uh, I think I think owning real estate has become uh, uh, a thing that is a must on everybody's list when they finish school. And and I, I mean, I got one 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 girl, she's like frustrated, and I'd like to have her on the show to to, to actually have people feel in, in sense that this frustration of this young lady that wants to buy a house, but she, she can't save enough money to buy a house and how is she going to do it? And time's going by and real estate's going up in value. How does, how does a young person do it? So she's the one that wants to buy a house, but can't afford to buy a house. 
And then you got some millennials that one house, but now they're buying more houses. So it's just, it's, it's sad and it's tough. And, and I feel for the ones that can't do it. I really do. Yeah, it is uh, pretty sad. Uh, from this uh, survey, it says that 11% of homeowners over the age of 35 surveyed said that they owned more than one property. That compares to 18% of those who are under the age of 35. Pretty remarkable statistic. Lots more to come here on the show. We'll talk a little bit about baby boomers. We'll talk about uh, many Canadians not being able to afford a hike to their monthly mortgage payment. Uh, stay tuned for that. You're listening to the Golfy Real Estate Show, Hamilton Edition on 900 CHML. Welcome back. This is the Golfy Real Estate Show, Hamilton Edition on 900 CHML. My name's Rick Samprin. Joining us once again, Rob Golfy, sales representative with Remax's Scartman Realty, the Golfy team. You can find them on the World Wide Web. RobGolfy.com is the website. That's Rob, G-O-L-F-I.com. Call Hamilton and Burlington's number one REMAX team in volume and unit sales, 905-575-7700. And follow the Golfy team on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Uh, have a question for the Golfy team or you have a topic that you would like us to tackle in a future program, send them an email, questions at robgolfie.com. That's questions at robgolfie.com. In a previous segment, we were talking about uh, people under the age of 35 owning multiple properties in the GTA, more so than those over the age of 35. Now let's move to baby boomers. And this is an interesting segment of the population because they have a lot of cash. You know, in, in many regards, they're retired maybe looking for their last resting place, so to speak, you know, before going to their ultimate resting place. How are baby boomers doing in this uh, pandemic world in terms of real estate? Hey, baby boomers are the ones that have the cash. They're, I think they're the ones that were born, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Rick, 1946 to 1964, 65. I believe that's that, correct, yeah. That, so, and they said the youngest baby boomer will turn 65 in the year 2029. And these are the people that, uh, you know, they, they, they basically, you know, been adults longer than anybody else pretty well, except for the, what's the generation before baby boomers? They were born, you know, during, before the war. But anyway, these people have accumulated wealth. They paid their mortgages off. They didn't, they didn't move as much as millennials do. They kept in the same house, paid their house off, and bought, maybe bought another house or, or two, put money in the bank, uh, RSPs, uh, mutual funds. And, you know, these are the people that brown bagged it to work every day. They brought a lunch to work. They didn't go out and buy, uh, um, you, know, you know, restaurant food as much. And so these are, the one, these are the ones that have the money. And they hang on. They hang on because to them it's uh, – and they're hanging on to real estate, which is making it tougher for the younger generation <laughs> to buy real estate because yeah. they're, they're not – there's nothing for sale. And, you know, we're, so, so the millennials and, and, and Generation X – as, uh, what are they, what's the next year? Uh, gen, generation gen, gen X, yeah, sixty-five to eighty. Gen X, yeah, yeah. So they're the ones that they're trying to say, hey, come on, let's uh, let's uh, let's let's pass the uh, pass it down, like sell it and uh, and get on. But um, but yeah, and, and they're a little bit to blame for it with the uh, market uh, going up the way it has because uh, they they own a fair amount of real estate and they have money in the bank and and they're not spending it. Their kids will, though. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So the, the gen- <laughs> and they inherit it, <laughs> and I think, the, and I think that's what they're saving it for. They're that generation. They're working for their kids. 
they want their kids to be well off. And that's what they're trying to do. They're especially the Europeans. That's how they operate. Yeah, the uh, Gen X uh, group of home buyers. It's up to thirty-one percent of real estate uh, wealth, if you will. Um, the uh, baby boomers still have about forty-four percent of that share, which is a pretty big gap. Um, I- I'm guessing that in the next ten years, that gap will be flipped. Is that safe to say, or maybe twenty years? Absolutely. It, it'll be, it, it's every year you're going to see a percentage change happen. Uh, because, um, like I said, like the last bit of that generation in 2029, we're talking less than, that's less, that's less than 10 years yeah, away. Yeah. Right? So you're going to start seeing, you know, like, like once, once people start hitting 65, they want smaller homes, they start unloading their investment properties because, you know, they don't want the headache anymore. Then you're going to start seeing that flip happening. Absolutely. Uh, you had sent over an uh, interesting um, uh, listing. I'm not sure if it's still in the market about buyers being drawn to the waterfront. This is a Stony Creek home. It's uh, it's actually, I guess it has sold for $3.2 million. And uh, it's a big house, 6,800 square feet, two-car garage, parking for nine, which is a lot. Uh, 14 days on the market. It sounds like this home uh, was very sought after. Waterfront in the Stony Creek Grimsby uh, is very hot commodity. Um, the especially uh, people from uh, GTA, but more likely uh, uh, Oakville, Burlington. They it's not that far from where they live or work, and they want waterfront and it's affordable. Now, now we're we're hitting over the three million dollar marks on a lot of these properties, and just like we're talking less than two years ago, they were selling for one point seven, maybe maybe one point eight. But now we're getting to two and a half million to three million, and uh, so th- th- there is a demand, and there's not that much for sale. There isn't that much for sale. Waterfront people want more, and the, and the waterfronts become more valuable just because of the fact. Again, this pandemic has changed. They want pools. They want waterfront. They want you know everything, and and, and so that they if this thing ever happens again, they can they can enjoy life while they're at home. Yeah, it sounds like a sweet spot. When we come back, we'll talk about the real estate market in B.C. And uh, many Canadians would not be able to afford a $500 rise in their monthly mortgage payments. We'll get to that as well. You're listening to the Golfy Real Estate Show, Hamilton Edition on 900 CHML. And one more go-round here on the Golfy Real Estate Show, Hamilton Edition on 900 CHML. My name's Rick Samprin, joined once again by Rob Golfy, sales representative with Remax's Scartman Realty, the Golfy team. You can find them online at robgolfy.com. Call them at 905-575-7700 and follow the Golfy team on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Don't forget, you can listen to our show online through Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and many more. Just search for the Golfy Real Estate Show in your favorite podcast platform and hit the follow button so you never miss an episode. Let's talk about a new wave of buyers that are expected to hit the BC real estate market. We know that Vancouver has gone crazy over the last number of years. Why is BC suddenly becoming uh, attractive again for real estate uh, investors? Well, what they're saying is there are Canadians that are from uh, uh, um, China that moved to China during the pandemic. And now they're coming and, back. 
and now they're coming back. They, they what, what did they say? There was three hundred thousand. Is it three hundred thousand? Yes, three hundred thousand uh, people are going to come back and buy real estate. Now these these people are already in like Canadian, but what about the immigrants that have been approved? That they're waiting. They're waiting for the you know the gates to open up and say, okay, guys, it's all open. We're pandemic. Everything's done. There, there is going to be a, a boom, another boom in real estate that's happening. And the people that immigrate into Canada, they, they're immigrating with money. They're, it's not like, you know, you know, like, you know, in the 1950s and 60s where people just had, you know, $5 in their pocket. They are coming with money and they're buying real estate. And real estate, uh, I think, in, in the world next to, is it New Zealand is, is probably had the biggest economic growth in real estate for, uh, versus Canada. Canada is probably number two and New Zealand's number one in the world. Um, so again, Canada is a country that we're, everybody's looking and saying, this is the country to be living in. And, and, and Canada is opening the doors. I mean, they're bringing in, you know, 300,000 plus immigrants a year. So, so in the last 18 months, a lot of people have been approved and they're still going to be, and other people are getting approved as time goes on. Now they're all waiting to come through. So you're going to, we're going to have like people are going to be coming off that airplane every hour for, for probably months and months. And they're going to be calling, you know, looking for real estate and looking to, you know, have a house for their family to, to move in. So things are going to change. I, I'm going to tell you, things are going to change once this uh, pandemic is a hundred percent over. And it, not only is it 300,000 of these individuals who are in China and Hong Kong, but prices uh, of homes in that market, Hong Kong especially, are even higher uh, compared to Canada. So they're not only coming back home, but they're coming back, as you mentioned, with a wad of cash. So it's going to be interesting to see how prices, especially in Vancouver, which probably they're going to gravitate to first, uh, are going to skyrocket again. Yeah, it's that- going to be tough for the local people that... Oof, uh, yeah live there to buy. And it's, and, and again, you know, you, you've got kids, you know, finishing school, they want to buy a, a house. They can't afford to, cause they're, they got to compete against, uh, uh, you know, these people coming from Hong Kong and China and it's going to be tough cause they, you know, cause they're all bidding each other. They're, the, the, the bidding wars are against other, other Chinese people coming from there with millions and millions of dollars in their pockets. So it's going to be, it's, it's going to be a tough, tough, market for anybody to 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 live in and people may end up leave, again moving away from there they may come to ontario and say hey we can't afford uh bc let's let's go someplace else and 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 that's where the market's going to be driven up again see everybody's scattering all over the place well look at the east coast the east coast yeah. is going up crazy so like we're going to have another scattered uh a year next year of people moving everywhere and they're going to go where they can afford and uh, and then, and then and it's going to cause problems with jobs. Like we, we're, there are people, are, companies are going to lose very valuable people uh, that say, "Hey, listen, I'd love to work here, but I can't afford to even live here or rent here. I have to go to a, you know, to the East Coast versus uh, staying in the West Coast." So there's going to be a lot of changes. Like, like we're we're in a shuffle that's that's it's going to take a couple years to to settle. Last story, and we only got about a minute to chew on it, but BNN, Bloomberg, and Rates.ca did a recent survey that found 4 in 10 Canadian homeowners, or about 40%, do not have the savings to afford unexpected expenses and costs associated with keeping their current roof over their heads. That's pretty scary. It is, and I remember in the early 90s, 1% change, I've been through it. 
And I'll tell you, it makes a huge difference on your mortgage payment. I I remember seeing it going 1% more and another half percent up again. Another, I'm telling you, it is tough. Uh, and, and it's, it's like, I'm glad I, I, I'm, you know, you know, everybody goes through maybe something financial, a little bit of toughness in their life, which is good. It, 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 it makes you a stronger person. And, but the thing is, yeah, if that happens, it's going to be tough. And I feel, I feel bad for the people that, you know, don't have the financial help with family or friends and they're completely on their own and they may end up having to downsize or move or, or sell their house and, and maybe go rent because it's going to be tough some, if, it, if that does happen. Yeah, and according to the survey, you know, at least one in three Canadian homeowners would have to borrow money to cover an unexpected increase, like even fixing a broken furnace or replacing a major appliance. And if you know mortgage rates go up, they could be in a world of hurt. Rob, we got to go. Fantastic program once again. And thank you for listening to the Golfy Real Estate Show, Hamilton Edition. We're back next Saturday at 9 on 900 CHML. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML.